Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon. Good evening, everybody. How are you? Yes, good. I am totally with Chris. I think this is a fantastic way to end a Monday night, and I don't normally get to be with you guys on Monday night. I am Jasmine, and um, Lyle is normally here. He's one of the hosts, too. He's also one of the pastors. And normally, I'm home with our kids, and he gets to be here, and I'm always really jealous. But tonight, we've traded places, and I am excited to share with you what God has been teaching me about how we need to live our lives poured out. Now, I've only been given 20 minutes. I'm actually down to 19 minutes and 11 seconds. And as I have never been known for brevity, let's get on. All right, we're going to get started. So we are going to actually start with the very last words that Jesus spoke while he was here on earth. After he had lived his life, poured into his disciples, performed all kinds of miracles, was crucified and rose from the dead, He's with his disciples and some very close followers, and he says these last words on earth in Matthew chapter 28, starting with verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And on that last note, he ascends back into heaven, is covered by a cloud, and he's gone. And the disciples are all standing there like, now what? Well, it doesn't take long for them to find out the now what. And you can actually read the full story of the now what in Acts chapters 1 and 2. Now, I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version. Essentially what happens is the Holy Spirit falls. And because Jesus had promised that a helper would come and the Holy Spirit comes down. And as part of the result of the Holy Spirit coming down, Peter, one of the disciples, starts to preach. And he preaches an amazing sermon. And at the end of this sermon, it says that the people were pierced to their heart. And they came to Peter and they said, Peter, we believe, we believe all of these things that, that Jesus said. What do we do? And, and Peter gets to, for the very first time, enact the Great Commission. Now, the Great Commission is that thing that Jesus just told the disciples the big ask, the thing that says like, hey, I've taught you all of the things. Now here's what you need to do with it. You need to go tell everybody about who I am, about what I have taught you, about what I can do in your life, and then baptize them and teach them to obey my commands. So Peter gets that opportunity to actually put the Great Commission into action. All the disciples are there and they actually get to live it out. We can read about this in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 38. Peter replied to all those people who came to and said, hey, what do we do? He says, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. 
Now the next verses that we're going to read kind of paint a picture of what it's like when believers start to live out living and loving like Jesus. When you start to apply what Jesus had taught the disciples, this is what it looks like in real life. Starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And that's what the Great Commission looks like in action. And you'll notice that a lot of the things, I would say all of the things that we do here at Vintage is to try to live out both the Great Commission and to follow the example that the early church set for us in that passage. And I get the privilege of sharing with you guys tonight two things that Vintage Church has done in the last two months to live out the Great Commission in action. First, Back in January, you may remember that we started something called the Dollar Club. And the idea of the Dollar Club is that by ourselves, we may not be able to give a lot. And sometimes to the point where we feel like because we can't give a lot, we don't give it all. But the idea of the Dollar Club is that if we can all give a little, that collectively we can give a whole lot to a person or a family here in our church. And we got to do that with what we received for the Dollar Club. Now, on January 13th, we had 1,326 people here at Vintage Church. So we gave away $1,326 to a person in our church, and we want to tell you about this family. Lori and Seth Collins have been coming to Vintage for about a year They both serve in our kids' ministry, and she was instrumental in helping with our art camp this past summer. They have a little girl named Willow who is one year old. About a year and a half ago, Seth was injured while at work and had a really bad back injury because of this accident. Over the last year and a half, they have tried medication, therapy, all kinds of different treatments to try to relieve him of this pain. Nothing has worked. So this past Tuesday, he had a very extensive back surgery in order to treat this injury. Because he was injured on the job, his work has paid for all of their medical expenses. But because he will be out of work for the next three months, their income will be significantly impacted. So because of your generosity, you have covered several utilities for them over the next several months to relieve some financial pressure from this precious family. So thank you so much. Yes. And Lori and Seth would like to say thank you, and they have written a note to you. We are speechless at Vintage's generosity. 
We have felt so much love since calling Vintage Church our home. And now during a rough season of our lives, to know we are not alone has given us a sense of peace that only comes from God. We both struggle to feel worthy of all the blessings Vintage Church has offered. From our life groups, serving in V-Kids, and helping us to bring God back to the center of our lives. Thank you. Thank you all for showing us how to live and love like Jesus. The second thing I get to share with you is I know that if you've been here over the last few weeks, you've seen all the boxes in the lobby. About a year ago, I had a lady named Eilina come to me and say, Jasmine, I am a teacher. I teach kindergarten in Ashboro, and I had some kids who at Christmas time asked for pillows for Christmas, and not like fun, like Snoopy pillows, but like legit pillows for their bed because they they did not own a pillow. And these are also kids that I notice are, like their clothes are kind of dirty and their hair is kind of dirty and I don't think they brush their teeth very often. And it's not because their families don't love them, but it's because they can't afford things like laundry detergent and soap and toothpaste. And I took care of the people in my class. Like, I, I gave them what they needed. I've made sure that they're taken care of. But I think this is more of a widespread problem than just in my classroom. So I want us to do more. So over the last year, we've been working on a way to actually get these kinds of items into the hands of more people across our, our county. This week, over 230 boxes have been sent to Randolph County Schools, Ashboro City Schools, and some have stayed here at Vintage Church so that families who typically do not have access to these things will now have access to these basic necessities. That means that in both what you donated financially and materially in the last two months, just through these two initiatives, you generously poured out six, over $6,000 to meet the needs of the people in this community. And that is so fun to talk about and we get really excited about it. But my question to us today is, why don't we do this more? Why do we wait to see a box in the lobby, or to be asked for a dollar at the church to meet the needs of the people around us? Why don't we just, as we go about our days and we see people who are in all kinds of need, why don't we just ourselves meet those needs? And as I've thought about it, and as I've thought about how, why I don't, it's because I give myself a pass. We think that we should get a pass Because we do so many other good things, we should get to bypass taking care of other people. Do you guys remember uh, when you were in school getting homework passes? Yeah? Uh Uh-huh. I loved homework passes because a homework pass meant that I didn't have to go home and keep doing school stuff, which is dumb. I was a teacher. I can say that. I think that we have, as adults, kind of carried this mentality Um, into serving others, that we think because we have done enough of these other things that we have earned the right to bypass the responsibility that we have to take care of our neighbors. And we've even come up with a phrase um, that covers a multitude of sins. Um, And we we say, oh, just just give yourself grace. Like, 
got to give myself some grace. Now, somebody's going to at me, I know, but hear me out. I get the heart of it. I get giving yourself grace can mean things like don't hold yourself to a standard that nobody ever set for you. Don't be so hard on yourself. And I get that. And I think that is a very beautiful way to think. But sometimes I think we use give yourself grace as just an excuse to be lazy, just as an excuse to get a pass. We cannot do that. We are made to do hard things. We are asked by Jesus to fulfill his commission. And we saw the disciples, the way they played that out was by actually selling their stuff and giving it to people who were in need. I want us to look at a passage that reminds us that there was one time that Jesus could have taken a pass and didn't. And a time when the disciples wanted to take a pass and Jesus wouldn't let them. Let's look at Matthew chapter 14. Now, let me give you some backstory. I like a good story. There was a man named John the Baptist. Well, his name was John, but we call him John the Baptist. His job was to be the promoter of Jesus. He also got the added bonus of being Jesus' cousin. His job was to go around and tell everybody about who Jesus was to tell people that, hey, that Messiah that you've been waiting for for centuries and centuries and centuries, guess what? He's here. And he is bringing God's kingdom to earth. Now, that sounds like a pretty fabulous job, except for the fact that the king at the time did not think that it was fabulous that another king was coming to town. So, long story short, John is arrested and beheaded, and his head is served on a platter to the daughter, or the, the queen's daughter, now, Jesus finds out about what has happened to John. And this is where we pick up in our story. Verse 13. When Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. As one would if your cousin had just died. And he died because he was talking about you and you are probably next on the list because if they don't like talking about Jesus, they probably don't like Jesus either. So he went to be alone. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and said, peace out, guys, I'm getting back in the boat. I need some me time. No, no. We know Jesus better than that. That is definitely not what happened. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. And when evening came, the disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it's already late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. They don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. But we only have five loaves and two fish here, they said to him. Bring them here to me, he said. Then he commanded the crowds to sit on the grass. 
He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of leftover pieces. Now those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So let's talk about when we look for a pass. We look for a pass when we lack compassion. It says when he saw the crowd, that he had compassion on them. Instead of inconvenience, Jesus saw an opportunity. And the compassion that was in him was so great and so strong that it moved beyond the grief that he was experiencing over the loss of his cousin. The pain that he felt for probably feeling responsible in some ways for his death. Fear that he he was being chased. Exhaustion. He had been teaching and preaching and traveling around for weeks and weeks. Those are all things that we experience, but passion, the compassion in him was so great that it could rise above all of those feelings he was feeling. Where do you lack compassion? Why do you lack compassion? A lot of times it's because we sit in a place of judgment, in a place of like, well, they got themselves into this mess, they can get themselves out. And we turn away. Sometimes it's from a place um, of remaining objective and not wanting to get too involved. Sometimes it comes from a place of not being able to see past somebody's physical appearance, political affiliation, um, personal choices, to be able to see a person who Jesus loves just as much as he loves you. Sometimes we look for a pass when we love our comfort. We really don't like the prospect of having to deny ourselves in order to provide for someone else. We will provide out of excess, but we won't provide out of little. The disciples said, but we only have five loaves and two fish. When you get into that space of but I only, but I only have, but I only need, but I only, but I, but I, it's probably because your comfort is being challenged. Probably they were uncomfortable at the prospect of feeding 10,000 people or being around 10,000 people who were starting to get hungry. They were uncomfortable with that social situation when you're dealing with a potentially angry crowd. And sometimes we're uncomfortable in social situations too, right? But I don't feel safe in that neighborhood. But I don't, I don't really feel comfortable with that crowd. I don't really feel comfortable talking to that person. Is your comfort the reason that you're looking for a pass? Maybe we look for a pass because we lose sight of our commission. Now, the disciples knew from the very beginning, from the first call of, hey, follow me and I will make you fishers of people, that people were going to be involved. And they had seen countless times where Jesus met the needs of the people around him with whatever he had with him. So I don't know why at this point the disciples thought that they needed to get out of a situation that involved people when the people needed Jesus. We lose sight of the commission that we have because we think our own agenda 
is more important or we think that the commission is someone else's job. It's the pastor's job. It's the social worker's job, but it's not my job. I also like that Jesus said that you give them something to eat. Not, okay, I'll do it for you, but you do it. When you see the need, maybe it's because you are supposed to be the one that does something about it. And think about this. What if Jesus would have taken the pass? What if the disciples would have taken the pass? Think about all those 10,000 people who would not have been healed, who would not have been fed that day, who would not have been seen that day, who would not have been served that day. Think about all the people that we encounter every single day. What do they miss when we take a pass? And not only that, y'all, but what do we miss when we take a pass? Those disciples got to see 10,000 people or more fed with five loaves of bread and two fish. I think that them witnessing that miracle of what happens when you don't take a pass and when you press through and do hard things helped them to not take a pass when Jesus was gone. It helped them to fulfill the Great Commission to not take that pass. But there does come to a point where we have, this really is, Jesus, all I've got. This is it. So can, this isn't enough. And I love what Jesus says in verse 18. He says, okay, this is what you got? Okay. Bring them here to me. You only have $4 and there's a homeless man standing over there? Okay. Let me have it. Bring it to me. Trust me. You're right. In your hands, five loaves and two fishes are not enough. But in my hands, they are always more than enough. I will always give you more than enough. We just have to trust enough that when we come with even the little that we have, that God's grace is going to pour in and fill in those gaps for us. Because we can't control the outcome. That, that part's not our responsibility. The result, that's not our responsibility. The faithfulness, that's our responsibility. God's grace is going to fill in those gaps. I also like that he gave the food back to the disciples to give to the people. Jesus didn't break the bread and then start passing it out. He handed it back to the disciples. And that's what he does with us too. When we will give him whatever it is that we've got, he is going to bless you so that you can bless others. But by themselves, random acts of kindness, paying it forward, paying for the Starbucks person behind you, all of that, all of the good things, all of the boxes we can pack, all of the dollars that we can give will never ever be enough because what they need more than they need bread, more than they need a box, more than they need a dollar is Jesus. Jesus's commission is to make disciples and kind of a qualifying characteristic of a disciple is that they know Jesus. We can't inspire people to live in love like Jesus 
unless we tell them about Jesus. And I think this is where most of the time we want to take a pass. We can fill a box, walk back in here, sit the box down, and walk away. We can give a dollar. We can, you know, do all the things. But we get really scared when it comes time to actually telling somebody about Jesus, about looking your friend in the eye who you know doesn't go to church, who you know doesn't know Jesus, and at some point having to say to them, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. And I know that this can be so intimidating, and it can feel overwhelming, and you can feel underqualified, and it can even feel like a polarizing subject. Like, it's okay to, to talk about good things and do good things for good people, but talking about Jesus, like, that's, that's a little different. And I get it. And I know, like, you don't want to be that guy who walks around to random strangers and says, hey, do you know Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I know, I know that you don't want to be that person, and I don't either, and I don't think that's what he's asking here. I think that in order to make disciples, we just need to tell our Jesus story. You just need to tell people what Jesus has done for you. Like, you don't need to know all the scripture. You don't need to know the whole Bible. You don't need to be able to walk them down the Roman road. Just know your Jesus story. Tell them how Jesus has changed your life, how Jesus is working in your life. And your Jesus story can spark someone else's Jesus story. And that person having Jesus in their life, that changes their life. And that is the way that we change the world. Look what happened when our disciples refused to take a pass. 3,000 people were added to their number in one day. And then every day the Lord was adding to that those who were being saved. And I think maybe the reason that we don't see this kind of thing happen now is because we take too many passes. We've let ourselves off the hook too many times, but my challenge to us today is to do the hard work. My challenge to us today is to learn compassion, to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, to reinstate our intention to live out the Great Commission and to tell somebody about Jesus. And if you're not sure where to start, and talking about Jesus, talk, tell the people who live in your own home. How cool would it be if you walked, like, you went home today and you told your mom, Mom, Jesus loves you so much and he is doing so much in me. What if you looked your spouse in the eye and said, Honey, I love you so much. And I'm so thankful that Jesus loves you more. And these are the ways that I see him working in our family. Or to look your little kid in the eye and to say, oh, baby, Jesus loves you so stinking much. And I can't wait for you to know who he is personally. What if we did that, just that, just in that small space of our own home, start to talk about Jesus? 
And then maybe grow that circle. Start to talk to people you know about, like, like here, like your friends here. Like, you, oh, you go to church. I know you love Jesus. Like, we don't talk about it ever, but let's, maybe let's start to talk about it. What's Jesus teaching you in your life? How is Jesus coming through for you? Then, when it does come time for us to share Jesus with our friends and with the cashier at Aldi and the guy at the gym that we always see, we can do it because we're used to doing it. We're used to carrying Jesus on our lips. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. So I just want to ask you, where is it in your life that you look for a pass? Do you look for a pass because you lack compassion? Do you kind of maintain a safe and cold distance so that you're not super affected, so you don't get too involved? Is it hard for you to get past the way someone looks or the way someone thinks or the way someone believes for you to be filled with almost a a sorrow that moves you to a place of doing something for them? If that's the case, then tonight I challenge you just to pray and say, God, I lack compassion. Help me to see people through your eyes and love them with your love. Do you look for a pass because your comfort is being challenged? You don't like the idea of denying yourself to give to somebody else because maybe you feel like you don't have a lot to give. Trust Jesus with what you have in your hands. Take it to him. Have you lost sight of your commission? That last thing that Jesus said that he entrusted to us to make disciples, to teach people who he was, what he commanded, and help them to learn how to obey the ways that he taught us how to live. Have you lost sight of that commission? If so, pray and ask God just to continually remind you of that and take this moment to just Declare your intention. Re-upping your commitment to fulfill that great commission. Where in your life do you need to accept grace to say like, okay, God, here it is. Here's my five loaves and my two fishes and I know that it's not enough, but will you make it enough? I need to put this in your hands and I'm going to trust that you are going to fill in the gaps because I can't control the outcome and I can't control the results, but God, you can. So I'm gonna trust you to do that. And who in your life needs to hear Jesus? Who in your life actually needs to hear that name? That beautiful, sweet, powerful name of Jesus. The name that is above every name. Who needs to hear that? And it might be somebody who already is a believer, but they just need to be reminded. They just need the encouragement of of knowing that Jesus is still there and it's still on on their side. Maybe it's somebody who never has heard Jesus or has just kind of stayed on the fringe. Who is that person that you can just say, can I tell you about how much Jesus loves us? Let me tell you about what he did. 
And let me tell you about what he's doing. Who is that person? God, tonight we make a commitment to stop taking a pass when you want us to go. God, we do not want to walk through this world unaware of the people who are around us who are so loved by you. God, move us with your love to go out into our world, to be a light that shines in the dark places, who helps people to break down walls. And God, help us to break down the walls of our own hearts so that we can see beyond ourselves into the disciple that you have made us, that you want us to be, so that we can make more disciples, so that we can tell more people about who you are, how much you love them. God, we give all of this to you tonight to do with what you will. Hear our prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon.